Gillette joining us, uh, BES grad, uh, talk with him about Oral Roberts run in the NCAA tournament. And um, yeah, I guess just a quick recap of the past couple of weeks we had NCAA tournament was awesome. Felt like the perfect amount of chalk and madness happening with, you know, first 15 seeds since FGCU making the sweet 16, you know, Texas going down in the first round. Uh, the championship we all wanted and Gonzaga and Baylor. And obviously it wasn't as close as we hoped it would, but the unexpected UCLA Bruins making a run to the final four and giving us what felt like an all-time game in between um, UCLA and Gonzaga and uh, the Jalen Suggs shot, which really felt like um, our generation's Christian Leitner shot. But um, yeah, can't give enough credit to Baylor. They played incredible. Uh, Davion Mitchell really solidified himself as what felt like a top 10 draft pick. I mean, you just can't give enough credit for to Scott Drew for rebuilding that program. I mean, they had NCAA violations and, uh, you know, killer played another, killed another player uh, when the year before he came into Baylor. And, you know, he said, I'm going to bring a national championship to Baylor and everyone called him crazy for it. But here we are. Uh, in 2021, removed from 2003, and Scott Drew is a national champion with the Baylor Bears. Welcome back to Around the 0160. Today we have Ishmael Plett, uh, VES Class of 24, uh, coming from Oral Roberts University. Uh, we're going to talk with him about Oral Roberts as a program this year and their run in the Sweet 16, as well as his recruiting process and discuss why he chose ORU. A little bit about Ish is he attended VES originally from the Netherlands. He competed in basketball as well as track and field. Some of his basketball accolades include second team All-State uh, honor as a senior and was twice selected to the All-Virginia Independent Conference second team, named MVP of, MVP of the VES men's basketball team in the 2019-2020 season and VES Offensive Player 2018 and 2019 season. So, Ish, you want to introduce yourself? How are you guys doing for your family? Um, I'm Ish, class of 2020. I know most of you guys still because I didn't graduate too long ago, and I'm just excited to be here. Cool. So, obviously, our first big topic is the March Madness bubble experience. Uh, our listeners definitely want to know, what was it like in the bubble? Um. So, everybody watches March Madness, so the bubble was kind of different than I would have expected and all of us would have expected as a team. Because um, you're not allowed to see everybody or anybody. You cannot have contact with any other floor or any other staff that's in the building. And you have to stay in your room the whole day pretty much. You get COVID tested every single day. You walk through practice through the building, through the skywalks, and you have a bunch of basketball courts all over the place through the kind of town where we are at. So not being with, not seeing any new human beings, while the world around you is going crazy, it's been kind of weird, but at the same time, nothing that we haven't seen before since COVID brought those weird experiences with us the whole through the whole season. Um, I'll say what was special about the bubble was that you just spent so much time with your teammates and it's really like the NBA bubble and the NBA did it before and now we just followed after them just by having practice, waking up for breakfast, getting breakfast to your room every single day, lunch, dinner, film sessions, recovery sessions, lifts. So the bubble definitely like had an impact on us mentally as well, or 
could impact other teams mentally as well since you don't get to interact with people. Because normally during regular years in March Madness, you get to go out um, downtown and people will either cuss you out or support you. People take pictures and all those things. And this year it wasn't like that. But it was still a good experience. I would say the food could have been better, but it was still a great experience. I was about to ask about that. I saw um, what's it, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, his story and the food from the first couple of days did not look great. What what was your favorite and least favorite meal from the bubble? Favorite meal from the bubble was probably, they brought us Popeyes. And Chick-fil-A. Mm. I think Chick-fil-A was my favorite meal because it was fresh food, fresh Chick-fil-A. It was great. It was a lot too. And Always good. Um, the pastas weren't that great. That's probably my least favorite meal. Mm. So did you did you have like designated outside time? Like when could you be outside of your hotel like room other than your practice times and game times? After a week. So when you win, you stay. So after that whole week of practicing and all the 64 teams being there, I think it was this that 30 seconds. So the so the after we won the first two games, first and second round. Then they had time to go open, like go outside the pictures with the big billboard and the big March Madness schedule in the hotel. And the bracket was in the hotel and the building. So that's when you got to go outside and take pictures. Mm. And there's like a field that um, you could play soccer and a bunch of like football and a bunch of games on like a grass field. And that's where people went. But I haven't gone there. But it was that was the only time you get like a slot, like a two hour slot where you get to go outside. For the rest, you're all inside. You're being escorted by the police to practice. So it's been crazy. Yeah, I saw those pictures of the billboard, which looked pretty cool, especially all the pictures with all you guys outside of it. Uh, but what did what did you guys do during other like games? Did you all like sit down and watch what was going on in other competitions, or what did you guys do with the team? Um, we were pretty busy. Like, there's no time. It wasn't not there wasn't a lot of time during other games. Like we our schedule was the reason we win or we won so much is because we watched so much film. So we spent hours and hours in the film room and working out and having practice, getting extra shots up. So there wasn't a lot of time to watch other games. And if you watch another game, it probably would be in the hotel room in your at your own time watching other games and other people play. But I haven't watched a full game during that time in the bubble in Indiana. What, what did you do instead? Like, I heard Jared Butler, he went on Barstool Bench Mob, and he, he was a big movie guy. He said he watched a lot of movies in the bubble. What did you do in your downtime? I watched a lot of Netflix. Did something mm-hmm. kind of hard to focus in your downtime. Downtime is really a downtime. So you do not want to spend that little time you get as downtime to um, do homework. So, but my downtime, I watched a lot of Netflix. I read some books, and I talked to family try to stay, stay in contact with my family at home. Mm-hmm. So obviously your two teammates, Kevin O'Banner and Max Asmus, were the most dynamic scoring duo in the country behind arguably Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell of Baylor, who ended up being the national champions. So the two were both averaging around 27 points per game and 29 points per game. They were both top 10 in the country behind notable names like Luca Garza, which is a pretty good name to be mentioned in the same breath as and um can you just talk about the one-two punch that they had and like just how incredible it was to watch it because obviously you got to see it for the whole season but 
then the rest of the world saw it for those two weeks that y'all were in Indy? Um, I'll say both, both, um, both Kevin and both Max, they just put in the work. Um, when I first came to ORU, um, Kevin, of course, we kind of played the same decision, so it was good to have him as a blueprint and a representative, as somebody, an older leader that you can look up to or learn from. But it's just their pick and roll play is kind of hard to stop. That's the main thing. We run a lot of pick and rolls, middle ball screens, and Kevin can pick a pop. And Kevin O'Banner is probably, well, He's a big, so people think he can't shoot. But if you look at his numbers, his numbers are great. So he can mm-hmm. shoot. He shoots over forty percent, and I think he's like the number one player in the country at shooting top of the key pick and pop threes. So he's definitely so it's so hard basketball these these days at this level. The higher you the higher you climb the basketball ladder, ladder the more important it is to kind of guard ball screens and defense. It's hard to stop the pick and roll between Max and Kevin because they put so much pressure on the rim. When Kevin pops, you got to close out, otherwise you spray a three in your face. And then you give, you give him an open lane to the basket, and Max can, of course, do it all, pull up and finish at the rim and shoot free throws well. And on top of that, Kevin shoots about 90% or around that number, close to 90 from the free throw as well. So both of them are great shooters. So it's a kind of deadly matchup to guard in ball screens. And often the bigs aren't as mobile as Max and Kevin, so it's hard for them to recover. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that – I don't think I ever heard a commentator say throughout the whole tournament. It was you guys were missing um, one of your starters, RJ Glasper, uh, who went down in February, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was earlier than that. But what did you guys miss without him, and how did you kind of fill that hole? Um, I think we missed RJ's competitiveness and leadership on the court. But I think the other two guys that stepped up for him did a great job. Um, Coach keeps everybody ready, so it's not like – your starting lineup is what you're going to go with or that's what wins games. The whole team wins championships and games. So um, we need everybody. But I would say that RJ definitely his leadership and his competitiveness and he puts pressure on the rim because he's very crafty. He can shoot the ball very well. He's a very good shooter. Um, but he's very crafty. And I think he's one of the most crafty players that we had on the team when it comes to ball handling and ISO. Um, so getting to the paint and then kicking it out. That's what we missed. But I think the guys that stepped up, like Lo Serene, Kareem Thompson, they did a great job of filling a spot. Um, it, it was different, but they did a great job of filling a spot and leading us to the tournament. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, uh, who do you think was like the unsung hero or glue guy that just didn't get enough praise on the team? I'll say it'll be Francis. But Francis is one of the best teammates we ever will have, is what Coach Mills always tells us. Francis does all the little things right. He knows his he know he knows his role. So he's there to pass the ball. Um him and Max play a dynamic backdoor play. Um, and he has a lot of assists on him doing this. It's a zoom action where he fakes the ball and he drives, he jumps the ball for a handoff to Max and Max goes back door and kicks it to Max and he always has a layup or does the handoff to the next guy in the corner that will fill up. But Francis definitely always good, well, positive, very positive at practice. Every gives everybody a high five on the bench. And he just does the things right without complaining. So Francis is definitely somebody that doesn't get enough credit. The next thing we were kind of going to talk about is, like, Oral Roberts' mentality throughout, uh, you know, March Madness. Like, was it a survive and advance kind of mentality? Like, what was your uh, mentality going, as a, going in as a team? I think... Um, on this topic mentality going into the Sweet 16 and 
the tournament in general. I think anything in life, if you don't attack it, it might attack you. And that's the mentality that we had the whole year. Um, and that March Madness as well. We was never too scared to play anybody. We're always excited because um, we know how well we play. If we play our game, if we play good defense, we always will have a chance because of our shooting ability, but more so because how much we love each other. And Coach explains this to us every single day that we get to um, perform and execute our love for each other, for our teammates on the basketball court. And that's what our gift is. We're showing the world how much we love each other. And by loving each other, um, you show them, you do that by actions, not by words. So playing hard for your teammate, making making good closeouts, communicating, um, going hard for rebounds, boxing out, all these little things, loose balls, 50-50 balls. Those are the things that you do for your teammates. So you work hard together. So our mentality definitely was just competing and winning the game. Like the win was always on our mind, but it was definitely competing and just thinking about the next possession. Don't get too high, don't get too low, and stay in a um, kind of a sense of equanimity within ourselves. Don't get too high by our runs. Don't get too low or too low by other teams' runs, but stay calm. And at the end, we will win the game. So a reason that you guys were successful, so successful in your run of the Sweet 16 was because, uh, I don't know if many people know it, but y'all played five tournament teams before the tournament even starting, uh, started. Missouri, Wichita State, who's first four, but they were about, they were a couple possessions away from making the tournament. Oklahoma State, uh, who has the number one draft pick in Cade Cunningham, uh, arguably Oklahoma and Arkansas, who you guys happen to play again. And um, how how did playing these tough teams kind of just prep you all uh, early in the season when you guys, I don't know uh, if you had thought that you would be in the big dance, but you were. And how did it help you become successful? Coach Mills is a great coach and he always looks at the future. He wants to prepare us for March. So everything he does from preseason and our workouts in the summer till the end of March, it's all to prepare us for March. It's not for the season or it's not for the time. He doesn't do things without thinking ahead. So he has a clear vision. And that's, of course, that was our gift as a team because we were preparing for March. We didn't want to, in the middle of the season, I say we're not playing well or not our best. We don't get concerned. Our coach Mills didn't get concerned. He just wanted to make us better because he knows that we're going to need the little details in March. So the reason why he gave us a tough schedule is because he expected us to be in March Madness. He did not expect anything less. Um, we played, uh, uh, according to the statistics and the uh, information that was put out on, I think, Synergy, the top five toughest schedule in the country, mm-hmm. uh, non-conference schedule. So, yes, you're right, we played Arkansas, Missouri, but all those games that we played were because we knew that we are going to play those teams in March Madness at the end of the year. So in those games, it was – it was good to see, like, you really realize that there's not a big gap between a mid-major school and the high majors. That's why a lot of high majors don't want to play mid-majors because the gap is smaller. Mm-hmm. And as you climb the basketball ladder going from high school to college, it's a big jump. But then if you're in college for a while, everybody can, can play basketball. You have to be at a certain level and a certain skill to play Division one basketball. And then when you jump even the, high, the mid-major and high-major jump, that gap is also smaller. Um, so that's why we were able to have those close games and Play well against those teams mm-hmm. and that was the thing that kind of helped out is being in close game situations I mean even getting into the tournament in the first place you guys were in a close game situation when you guys were playing um 
North Dakota state and you guys were the four seed. And, um, I, I always love to quote John Rothstein. He says college basketball where the unexpected becomes ordinary. And, um, this year, I mean, full of upsets, but Oral Roberts didn't really feel like a four seed. Like you said, um, everything coach Mills did was to get you to March and, um, you guys really just had no fear. I mean, you're just executing everything so well when you didn't get rattled, when you saw the big 10 patch on the Jersey, you didn't get rattled when you saw the sec patch on the Jersey. I mean, I just think that speaks to how well you guys ran as a unit. And, um, can you just touch a little bit on, I mean, if you want to become a college basketball fan, watch an Oral Roberts game, because those games are so close and tight. I think because coach Mills and coach Patterson, um, and Coach Springman, all three of them coached and coached for big uh, high major colleges. Coach Mills was at Baylor for 14 years. Coach Pat was there for 13 years. Coach Springman coached at Texas and actually recruited Kevin Durant, and he worked in the NBA for a while. So having those coaches around you and Coach Solo played pro, um, was an All-American, played overseas, played pro overseas, and played in the G League, having, those, having that maturity as a coaching staff prepared us great to play against those teams because Coach Mills has seen it all. Coach Springman has seen it all. Coach Coach, Coach um, Batterson has seen it all, and as well as Coach Solo, and our GAs as well. It's just very mature and experienced coaching staff. So everything we do in practice, it eliminates fear because practice, Coach, challenges every, Coach Mills challenges us every single day. Um, he does not allow us to quit on anything we do because he believes that if you quit in here right now in practice, you'll one day quit on your wife. So... That's kind of the standard he keeps us on. So we we are relentless. As a team, we are relentless. We'll never quit. A team Playing a team that's relentless and will never give up, no matter what the score is, is a very dangerous team because fear doesn't enter our bodies or our minds because we play for each other. And that love definitely overcomes fear that we have. And being a God-focused university as well is that if you have a sense of what God is and who God is and how much God loves you, you become, to a sense, very fearless because God is the parent that can get you through anything. So having that as a symbol and as a, as, a, as, a, as a cornerstone for our success and the way we go through life kind of eliminates all the fear that you could have. So we breathe the same air. Everybody's the same 24 hours in a day. So even though it's SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, I don't care what school it is, ACC, we'll never bet now. Obviously going to a Christian university, God-centered university, that gives uh, all of you a sense of uh, brotherhood almost. But what, like, I guess uh, what we're going to talk about next is what, like, what would go through your mind if last year at this time in March, we were like, ish, next year, like, you're going to be in the Sweet 16. What would you say back? To be honest with you, um, I would, last year in March, every single practice and every single game and being able to play, the game of basketball, it's a blessing. Um, I truly believe, I'm a big believer that God has a plan for my life, that nobody can alter that plan because his ways are higher than any human being's ways. So as much as it sounds like a surprise, I wasn't surprised to be in March Madness because I know the powers that God has. And going through March Madness with a God-focused university is not surprising to me because we believe in miracles. And this is the place where miracles happen. So I never really think, I never really thought that things weren't possible to accomplish. I just stayed in the moment. 
So last year, I would say, I mean, I didn't think that far ahead to March Madness, but I definitely saw them as an opportunity because I thought about the leadership skills that I've learned at VES and the way I carry myself and just my work ethic and my competitiveness, bringing that to Oral Roberts could have an impact on us winning the conference championship. Because at the end of the day, and all we had to do to bring, make it to March is to win a conference championship. And that's closer than you think. It's eight or nine other teams that you're playing against, competing against, and you just got to win that conference. And then you're in March Madness if you're a certain seat. So it's not that far away as people think, but definitely we've been close the previous years, but we were a very mature team with COVID and taking care of our business. So it wasn't a huge surprise. It was definitely a bigger blessing than a surprise. It was a blessing to be part of it. It was a blessing to get the opportunity to play at this level. It was a blessing to experience this with my whole team, but um, I wasn't crazy surprised if it makes sense. Sure. Um, so you touched on it earlier. So your coach, uh, Paul Mills, I, I was watching one of his press conferences and in it, he said, good people make good players. And I think, you know, a guy that says something like that, he has a lot of humility. And I watched all of his press conferences throughout March. Um, I mean, he just seems to have so much character. He seems to appreciate all the teammates and he just has the worth ethic of mindset. And when I was watching one of the press conferences, he mentioned that when every Oral Roberts player first arrives on campus, they have to make 20,000 shots. They have to make, not take 20,000 shots. And is that true or is that just a PR move? Please tell the people. That is true. Wow. That's true. Um, we work very hard. We work very hard. We got to get in the gym. Um, good thing about Oral Roberts is that it doesn't have a lot of distractions like some other big time schools, like the SEC, um, uh, Big Ten, Pac-12, um, ACC. So we eliminate distractions very well, but we have to work. Um, nothing comes without the work. Nothing comes without the work. So that work is every single day. And yes, we reap the benefit in March or maybe later. Like we put in the work for years, for years, for years. All of us have been working out and working on our games since we've been, most of them since they were six years old. And for me, since I was 13, We've all been putting in the work. So that work definitely pays off. And that's why we're one of the best shooting teams in the country as well, because we put in that work. What were your thoughts on Coach Mills' dance moves coming in the locker room after the win against Florida? I mean... I've seen them before. I would definitely <laughs> see him again that he needs to switch it up because he's been doing the same dance moves um, for the past four or five games that he's been winning. But, uh, he's, he's a very passionate person, and that's, why, that's what I like about him, man. He definitely cares, and he shows shows you that by his actions. And it was funny to see um, him going crazy again in the locker room and dancing with our teammates. Uh, so you said it earlier, but um, so Coach Mills was an assistant under Scott Drew at Baylor from 2009 to 2017. And, um, you know, if a ball bounces one way, uh, you guys are in an Elite Eight matchup between the former peers and Drew and Mills. And um, what do you think Coach Mills has learned just from – coach drew because obviously his program finally broke through they got to a final four they won a national championship and that was just an incredible run to watch and um i think what they do at baylor and i haven't been at baylor it carries over to it's it's contagious it carries over to everything everybody has that he has coached i think i'm correct me if i'm wrong i think that somebody that coached under coach um, drew from baylor one of the assistant coaches is at north texas and they made it to the tournament i believe so there was 
they was both they were both in the uh, Baylor family tree. So that just shows the excellence and the standard that the people at Baylor keep each other in the show because they're national champs. And two of his coaching staff, or former coaching coaches, both made it to the tournament with their teams, and both teams were mid majors. So it just shows the excellence that they have at a team like Baylor. And I think it's mostly because they keep God first. Baylor is a Christian university, and they praise the Lord, and we saw them pray on the court before, um, after they won the national championship, and after they won all their games. So that definitely shows. Uh, move, moving into more of your recruiting process rather than your March Madness experience, uh, uh, you talked about the coaching staff obviously earlier, but what was appealing about Oral Roberts and what do you hope to get out uh, of being Oral Roberts long-term? What was appealing, I did say before, what was appealing about the coaching staff is, well, it was appealing about Oral Roberts is the coaching staff and the passion. Um, that was it for me. I needed experience, and I think those the coaches out of all the coaches that recruited me, I think the staff at Oral Roberts will give me the most experience and the best opportunity to become a pro myself because they've coached so many professional basketball players, which is ultimately ultimately my goal to play at the highest level possible. So, I would say it's the coaching staff that really intrigued me to go there. Yeah, obviously, uh, you discussed how successful uh, Baylor has prepared other coaches obviously not Baylor but what was your transition from high school to college basketball like I would say the first month in college is different um it's very different from high school like you think you play hard in high school you think you work hard in high school but you actually for being a high school player you might do but there's a difference in college like you're a grown man the amount of sprints that you do is different the amount of lifts and ways that you the weights that you lift it's different. It's the whole schedule. The work in, the work goes up. The players are all good because you got to think that all everybody that plays at the Division One level were probably the best or the top three best players on their high school team. So there were everybody on the Division One basketball program thinks that they're the man. So coming in as a freshman, it's just twelve kings pretty much competing against each other, fifteen kings competing against each other because we all been doing very well in high school. So being around that much excellence forces you to become better. I think my first month of high school, of college, I remember thinking if I came back to high school right now, it would have been a whole different game. Like I probably went to Chetler a few state championships if I had that college experience, but only experience can prepare you for, I believe only experience could prepare you for college basketball and life in general. There's nothing like the experience itself. You can prepare yourself mentally as much as possible and read up and everything you gotta do and do preparation. But the experience of going to a new place is what it's about. So that definitely helped me become a better player the first month. So in the big dance, you guys were kind of Cinderella, as we like to say. First 15 seed since uh, Dunk City, FGCU in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, to make it to the Sweet 16. And um, Oral Roberts seemed to have like the most fans of anyone that I could really tell, like, they were definitely out cheering the Ohio State and Florida fans. And, you know, they were out cheering the Arkansas fans too. But what's it like kind of – it felt like the nation was behind you, or at least it did in Lynchburg and then the um, reply sections on Twitter. Um, it was great to see the love everywhere. We felt like we were shaking the world. We were – we broke millions of brackets. Um, There's all Roberts fans from everywhere that were supporting us. And it was great to see that so many people are cheering for you. It gives you a purpose because you're not doing it for you, but you're doing it for somebody else. You're doing it for God. 
you're doing it for God's people. So it's beautiful to see people supporting love. And also a shout out to my Lynchburg people and all my Virginia Episcopal school people, the uh, um, supporting me through March Madness um, and my school and our team. It was great to see everybody texting me and all the people and parents from VES supporting me as well and our um, former hat master as well in this family. So, What was it like opening Instagram and you see yourself on Bleacher Report and Sports Center and ESPN and that must, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's awesome. I mean, it's like a, it's like a dream coming through. Um, I saw myself, I was watching TV and I was on the phone with somebody and I'm just looking up and I see myself dancing in the locker room. I see I'm a big time reporters like Charles Barkley and um, uh, a bunch of other people commenting on our dance moves and saying things. It was great to see. Um, so that's a great experience. When, when you saw the um, sports center graphic of Max and it was, he was the first player since Steph to score 25 plus in the first three tournament games. What's it like to see uh, one of your good buddies mentioned in the sta- same breath as um, arguably the greatest point guard of all time? It's, it's, be- it's, it's beautiful. I mean, I'm so happy for him. I wish him the best um, in his life. I want him to, I want to see him succeed because that's family. So I want him to go pro and, be around like being compared with those guys because I think he definitely deserves that. He puts in the work and he's a even better person. Like what you guys don't know about Max is yes, he's wicked smart. He's smart. But two, he is he has great character. He never complains. He is the most humble guy, one of the most humble people on the team, even though he's that good at basketball. So it's good to see like I definitely wish him the best and he deserves it. Who wins in a shootout? O'Banner or Aismas? I would go. Well, I'll go with Aces. Mm, good choice. Good. Cho- I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. Yeah. So, what does Oral Roberts do as a program and a team to come back to this point next year and hopefully go further? Um, do what we did last year and learn from the way building building upon what we did last year and keep on moving from that. Just put it in the work. Everybody has to put in the work in the summer. Everybody has a responsibility. Take care of your responsibility and come back in the summer and regroup and just get back in the gym. Well, uh, I think that's all we have for you today, Ish. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It was great talking to you. No problem. It's an honor. I remember it was like a year ago seeing you guys in high school um, and you guys were big RAs and now big counselors. So I'm so happy for y'all. It's yeah. funny to see you. It's been a yeah. long time. Y'all, y'all are you, so man. fast. Holly's so big now. So, <laughs> He's grown college. Jack has grown too now. Like it's so funny to see. Thanks for well, coming thank on. you for joining us. Problem. Always an honor. Well, that's gonna do it for us from around the old 160 today. We're coming through the home stretch. Um, only two weeks left of our independent study before Expo Day, but uh getting excited to wrapping up with a couple more interviews over these next few weeks. And yeah, um, thanks again to Ish Platt for coming on and uh, yeah, got some more good guests this time. See ya.